With Refactor, we're trying to get people back at the center of tech. We strongly believe it makes us grow as a community to share our insights and reflect upon common challenges. Today we're very pleased to have Esprit Devora, also nicknamed, <laughs> nicknamed the girl who gets it done. She's a speaker, an author, a founder, and a podcast host. She's hosting two very influential podcasts. Uh, the first is Women in Tech, which is empowering women in the industry. And the second one uh, is We Are LA Tech, the go-to podcast of the Los Angeles startup scene. Hello, Esprit, and welcome. Um, first of all, how are you at the beginning of this new year? I think it's actually, I know a lot is going on in the U.S., but for just spiritually, I feel mm -hmm. that um, this year is about consistency and momentum and acceleration and a lot of transition, hopefully, to better things. Um, so you have a very, very rich background in tech. Um, let's start by the beginning. So you started very young in the tech world. Uh, you described yourself at the time as a girl interested in code and sports. Can you yeah. tell us more about that? Yeah, sure. My dad and I were really close growing up and he had a home office, so I would play on his home computer and absolutely loved it. And, um, and he also got me into skateboarding and motocross and all these kinds of things. So I just combined my two loves. And when I was a little girl, my, uh, my parents would say, I would play in my dad's office and my parents would say, you know, what happens when uh, little girls play in their daddy's office too long? And I'm like, what? They're like, the office police come. And so <laughs> <laughs> that's how much I was spending time in my dad's office. Oh, I see. I see. That's where you, you got your passion. And um, at the time, tech was not as big as it is today. You know, it was not as open. So, uh, I mean, where did you find the, the, the strength and the, the resources to, to start a, a company uh, at the time? Well, I think it was just very organic for me because both of my parents were entrepreneurial. So I had oh, okay. the example of uh, that. It My life has always been one of creativity and of um, innovation through 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 things that aren't the classic artist way, right? I mean, I wrote poetry too and I painted as well, but I I saw technology as a way to be creative. And so yeah. and I saw speaking as a way to be creative, my mom being a speaker and my dad being in technology. And so it was just really organic for me. It wasn't something that I felt was a far reach. But yes, it wasn't prevalent at that. It wasn't a big thing. It was a thing that I hunted for. Yeah. Mm. And where did you find the resources? I mean, nowadays you have online courses everywhere. You have YouTube tutorials. You have uh, communities that you can right. join to find resources. But at the time, I'm guessing it was a lot more difficult, right? Even if you have the right mindset. Yeah, it was really difficult. Um, the I would seek out resources and I would often fly to San Francisco because the tech scene was really strong in San Francisco, even at that time. So I would fly to San Francisco. Um, one of my first really big kind of uh, pushes to be part of the community because I didn't have a big community in LA, if, if even having a community at all in, in the tech space. But in San Francisco, there was this program, um, I think it was called Startup School, and I believe it was at Stanford. 
and I heard about it and it was free and I was really, really excited. Mm. You were able to like, join and get resources and I was like, wow, this is just so cool. And so um, the problem was is that it was sold out. I mean, free, but oh. sold out. And okay. so I... Um, How'd you get in? I made it happen. <laughs> okay. I magically made it happen because when you want something in life and you have the right heart, soul, and intention behind it, the whole world will conspire to bring your dreams to reality. And that's what I've always led my life by. And so I drove to San Francisco even without a space for me. And there were so many challenges along the oh, way. It I was incredible. Imagine. And then I got there and um, I was able to meet so many people like me. And that startup school ended up becoming Y Combinator. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so, so like, so Y Combinator at the time didn't exist. And mm. it was very, very crazy that I was a part of essentially Y Combinator's pilot program. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. And so, well, you found the resources and the strengths and you built a, um, a social network around extreme sports or action, action sports, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what you did. And you had like a YouTube channel and... Trying to... I did, but it, at that time, YouTube wasn't YouTube, so we just use YouTube to um, hold files for us. Oh, okay. And yes, a lot of the videos got really popular. It was not but... a channel to get audience. It was just... Well, we got an audience, to... but it was like by accident. <laughs> okay, okay. I get it. Yeah, very different from today. All right. And so, yeah, so you started by being a founder and um, it did not go, it did not succeed as you intended, right? I mean, you worked for years. Uh, how long did it uh, last? Your, your. Um... It still exists in my heart. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> I read that uh, you said that you uh, felt too integrated. That because you were too integrated with your project at the time, you were really like heartbroken by this first. Yeah. Uh... I remember Tim Ferriss talking about. Um, how important it is to separate your individual identity from your brand identity. And when I mm. built my action sports company, I was very much the brand and I were one and the same. So when my company didn't go in the direction I had aspired it to go in, I was really down for a long time. And um, it and it, I think seeing Tim Ferriss's video explain it, I'm like, yeah, that, <laughs> you know, and I just went on this journey to separate myself from my brand. And so I don't think I'll ever um, love or be, yeah, it's like love something that integrated in that way again, but that's not a bad thing. It just means I won't give my my self away into a brand. And so there's a boundary. Mm -hmm. So if any company I have today or in the future doesn't work for whatever reason, I am okay. I am valuable. Mm -hmm. I am me. I know what I like. And what, what do you do differently today? You, you're talking about separating Jingle for the brand. What do you do exactly? I mean, on a daily basis with all your projects, your podcast, community you're building? The the main thing to focus on is foundations, processes, work funnels, um, and consistency. And I think as early entrepreneurs, we get lost in the creativity and the hustle. Mm. And the word hustle is so promoted in the startup culture. True, true. And I actually think a sense of mindfulness and intention is more important than hustle. Because what if you're hustling at the wrong thing or in the wrong direction exactly. and depleting all your energy versus mm. being really mindful? Am I investing my time right now 
into something that leads to the goals that I aspire to attain. Mm -hmm. And if not, let me reevaluate how I'm investing my time because our calendars can get full real fast. And then we can feel it's so funny. Tim Ferriss talks about this too. And it's, I'm not a Tim Ferriss like fangirl anymore, <laughs> but it's, it comes up a lot, I guess, in this interview. Um, he was a very important part of my foundation and building. And Tim Ferriss talks about that, um, that like you can feel like you're being productive, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're being productive. That you are really productive. Yeah. Course, and yeah. so I like to be very intentional about um, how I'm spending my time, how my body is feeling. And um, it, specifically in 2021, I've set aside three primary goals for myself, self-health mm -hmm. for my mind, self-health for my body and consistency and so every day i look i have this journal and i'm like am i being healthy for my mind am i being healthy for my body and am i being consistent and mm. there's very specific things i'd like to be consistent at it's about five things and so they're extremely trackable and literally every day i'm like okay these two things right here like i i'm not doing mm. let's fix that it's right like away yeah yeah you're going totally. back every day to, to check up. Yeah. Am I really doing the right thing? Am I just following what I think is important uh, this year? Right. Or... Like yesterday, for example, so I'm part of this writer's group called Writer's Hour. And it's a, mm -hmm. it's, I, I wanted to publish my book two years ago. So I'm two years after my intended public. Why, why haven't I finished writing my book yet? I haven't finished writing my book yet because I haven't. Like <laughs> something gets done because we do it, you know? And so... Obviously, my routine, my habit wasn't in place. So I found this amazing um, organization called Writer's Hour. And I joined it. It's phen phenomenal. It's out of London, but they have all time zones covered. And it's every day at 8 a.m., right? So yesterday, okay. so I plugged it into my calendar. I've been doing it. I love it. But yesterday, I happened to have, probably booked last year, right, this other webinar at 8 a.m. of this group that I'm a part of. It's like, hello, it's the start of the new year webinar. And mm. so here I had two things in my calendar at the same time. Right? And I'm like, and one of them has to do with female founders and something I was excited to be a part of. But the other one has to do with a very core aspiration I have that's consistency. Right? So yeah. like, um, so I decided I would not quit the new like writer's hour for the day I would um I would stay focused on that and make sure that I stay with the habit and so mm. it's about making those intentional choices um yeah. and, and really uh this staying focused yeah this this entrepreneur I'm spacing on his name right now but he says study your calendar and I think mm. that's a great that's a great note yeah, yeah. to study your sense. calendar makes yeah. a lot of sense uh, something else I want to talk to you about. You were mentioning the imposter syndrome in your interviews, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I heard you say that uh, your brain was wired to think that you're not enough and that you were trying to rewire it. Totally. That got me really interesting. Can you tell us a bit more about that? I mean, how do you do it? Uh, with a lot of patience and frustration <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> um, I'm always thinking about how am I... Am I living my most optimum life? And what that means is how do I feel inside my body, right? It's mm -hmm. And if I feel 
frustrated, if I have a lot of a negative thought cycle going on, if my body feels lethargic, if something hurts, like I'm just always paying attention to that. And so in my... That's mindfulness, that's where you were talking right. about, right? So mm -hmm. in, in regard to like, I'm not enough, I'm not enough doesn't lead to something positive. It's, it doesn't inspire anyone else. It doesn't empower me. It, it's just a very disempowering statement. And so mm. um, I'm constantly like evaluating myself all day long. And one thing I've started to incorporate is I started to incor incorporate meditating more times throughout the day rather than just once. Okay. And mindfulness again. Yeah. Everything is about being grounded. I feel like mm. we get very caught up. I have this friend who unfollowed everyone on Instagram in order to stay focused. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Like, make sure you're being intentional with where your attention's going. I love it. Then he was in some sort of mastermind and they said, oh, no, don't do that. That's bad. You should definitely follow people for the algorithm and marketing purposes. Yeah. And I'm thinking, no, no, no. Like, I feel like the best, most authentic marketing is to just share the story of like why you unfollowed or whatever rather than trying to play games with the algorithm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, I, I do mean. think in every platform you have to play to the algorithm, but in that particular element of like unfollowing a bunch of people, I think you could still build up a really successful brand and if it's for it's if it's better for your health not to be following people, mm. do what's better for your health and your brand will go exponentially because you'll have the energy and the attention and the intention to do so. Does that make sense? And people value truthfulness yeah, also. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, it shows when you're really being truthful to yourself and, totally. and mindful to what's healthy totally. for you. I shared with him, like, I was like, it could even make a statement. You could follow one person, like Oprah, and then it shows more about who you are, you know? <laughs> yeah, true, that's true. Good strategy. Basically, you founded a startup in LA before they won, there were any real tech scene there. That's what you told me. Yeah. You, you had to go to San Francisco to... To meet people and get matched. I'm sure there was a tech scene before, like in the 80s or 90s that I just didn't know about. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm, very old school. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm sure. I, I just I'm, wasn't. Yeah. Wasn't in it. Yeah, or, I wasn't yeah. grown up for that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, but I heard you say that you started one, actually. You were uh, going to uh, backyard barbecues with just a handful of people at first in, in L.A. Yeah, that, there, were, there were like about... Um, I don't know, 25 to 40 of us um, in the LA tech mm. space. And we would hang out at this investor's house and have barbecues. And we all knew one another. And even at the huge conference South by Southwest, when we got a, a little bit bigger, let's say like 60 people, we all still were able to fit in one photo. So we all took a big group photo together. You know, it's like, like, like LA tech was that small of a, a community. Family. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. now it's thousands and thousands of people moved to Los mm. Angeles for the tech space. Okay, very different. Yeah, so basically now it's a very different world. There's a sea of people in this scene and uh, you call yourself a connector or super connector. What can you tell us about so that? So I actually don't call myself that. Other people call me that. I, 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 for me, that word kind of makes me gross. <laughs> like I would never call myself that. That's uh, th That doesn't align with me. But I do believe in creating mutually beneficial introductions for one another. And I love the word experience and connectivity. But no, I don't use those words. 
I could just, I could just figure. It's even more genuine. I could, I could just see somebody like putting that on their business card and handing it to someone. I'm like, yeah, like I'm a super connector. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, (laughs) please, I can't. Emoji eyeball roll. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, but yeah, okay. So you don't use, you don't call yourself a super connector, but you have like a very key role in the LA um, uh, scene. Actually, yeah, your, I your I facilitate and... a lot of introductions and events mm. for those introductions to happen. Yeah. How how important is the role of those communities and networks in the tech world? I mean, I don't think it's just in the tech world. It's just in general, right? We thrive when we have a village to support and empower us. And so, what I think gets lost in this digital space that we live in is that we interpret you know a like or a follow as a form of engagement or connectivity but then we don't understand why we feel so depressed and lonely and in the Mm -hmm. tech world specifically when we're you know um fed this this hustle 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 you know self-sacrifice 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 um don't eat like don't go to the bathroom use a catheter you know it's just it like becomes really really like lonely culture and so we we forget that we're social animals maybe totally totally and so i've essentially hacked the way into the minds of um people in the tech community to want to go play um i have i had to deliver it in a message that made sense to their headspace and i know it because i'm it as well and there've been so many times in my career where i've been beyond burnt out crying in a corner and still going mm-hmm. you know and so so i know what that means completely and um yeah i've produced over 400 experiences for the tech community and it's been really really beautiful over 700 podcast episodes to champion people in the community it's been amazing mm. and uh, what could you tell us about the difference between the LA tech scene, the San Francisco, the Silicon Valley, and maybe now the growing uh, Miami scene? Yeah, I've been hearing about the Miami tech scene. Um, So I don't live in the other places, so I don't know. But what I hear from my podcast Mm. guests is that um, the, the thing that they like about most about the LA tech culture is the collaborative spirit. They said they... I don't know this, but they have said that they feel L.A. is the most collaborative tech city. So that's a pretty cool thing to be. So the connections are more meaningful. That's what you were talking about. Maybe, but I mean it more in the sense that people look to help one another, not to compete against one another. Mm. I've, I've seen that you've also created offline experiences. Uh, it's called the Experience Club. Yeah, yeah. is that right? Yeah. So what is it exactly? I mean, it's, Sure. It's... So it's... So it's a curated yet um, invite only group. It's curated yet accessible. It's invite only because I want to make sure that it's all people who are the right culture fit that are doers who have heart driven leaders that want to collaborate Mm. and aren't out to sabotage someone else. So once I I see that they're the right culture fit, they gain access to a series of events that I produce and all the events I intend keep it a low capacity from eight to 15 people so meaningful connections can be created okay, it's okay. kind of like a dinner party like vibe i've taken people skydiving horseback riding clay pigeon shooting um porsche racing like so many different activities and simple things like game nights and painting you know like yeah. all sorts of different sounds things. fun yeah. really fun yeah 
And it's maybe the start of good collaborations between you or oh, your guests. Oh, people actually. have met their investors. They've met their co-founders. They've met their roommates. People have even gotten married. They've had babies since. It's been really wild. All right. And what is it today in COVID's world? I mean, are you still able to do some events at limited capacity or is it so, on So, no, we don't do any um, offline experiences at the moment. I'm thinking about reintroducing it. There's definitely a few partnerships that I've been creating. But no, everything has been um, virtual connectivity. And I put, during the pandemic, I put the club on pause because I wanted... I don't like creating BS. Like, I don't want just another Zoom call. So I wanted to create mm. extraordinary connective experiences, whatever that means. And so um, through the majority of the pandemic, I've been doing heavy research. And I'm just about there where I think I got it all figured out now. So I'm pretty excited. And I heard you say that you, you see yourself as an artist first and a business person mm -hmm. second. And uh, can you tell me more about that? I find it really interesting. That's like the first time I hear it from someone in the tech industry. And Yeah, first of all, it's harder to be an artist first because <laughs> sometimes I, I make this joke that I'm a hippie capitalist and I lean too far on the hippie side. And so, um, but what that means to me is I prioritize, to me, human beings are art. They're like a puzzle piece. And when they fit together perfectly, it creates magic. It's like the most beautiful story told. And so I am always thinking about how to create those really meaningful connections more than like for example a lot of people would say why don't you charge for your introductions because that's not I make introductions from the heart that are in alignment with me mm. I don't make them to like reap some reward back it would take away from the integrity of the introduction and so that's why I think about it like business is second because someone else would be like how do I monetize how do I monetize how do I monetize and there's something really great and smart about that and I do need to embrace that side even more but that's why I say I'm an artist first because as much as I'm into business and have built businesses like my priority is to champion others and create that artwork of human connectivity mm. in today's world where we we lack uh connection because of lockdowns and social distancing online communities have, have grown even more than before how are you able to to navigate in that world and make this connection even if that's not real uh more meaningful actually are you able you just said you made you had some research yeah what, are, what did you find so so i don't think that online communities have like gotten bigger i think the internet has gotten even louder <laughs> Um, mm, that's interesting. But it's not necessarily that communities have grown because I think the essence of a community is a very connective space. So just because there's mm. a lot of like the number numbers of people, yeah. doesn't mean like maybe somebody got excited for five seconds, but like then they're like, oh, this sucks and they leave. But can you now call this like Slack group that has 15,000 people where no one's talking a community? Right. And so mm. so I think. There's a great community that I recently became a part of called Growth Meter. And what I love about it is I thought, you know, I, I say this thing, you come for the hype, you stay for the value, right? And so, mm. um, like, I came because it's interesting, I've heard about it, whatever. I actually didn't think much of it. And now being in it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, so much value. What do they do differently? What's what's different about this community that you see the value in it? I mean, um, a couple not things. Just the the moderator cares is a huge one. No. And I know you'd think most moderators care, but most moderators either 
are just looking for their own ego to moderate or they don't know how to moderate. And I think mm. a great moderator is somebody who's not afraid or I should say who leans in and embraces guiding the conversation, which is what a moderator does. If we're talking and then all of a sudden you start talking about oranges, I'm going to be like, I know mm. you love oranges and I appreciate it, but let's stay on topic and like, let's, get yeah, back. let's get back to, okay, you know, okay. machine learning. So yeah, yeah, somebody not afraid to, to stick to um, keep the focus. To make sure the priority is the audience and the recipients, not the ego. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I, I so he, the guy Matt Sherman, who's the founder, handles it that way. He brings on really high quality um, guests and experiences that have really actionable steps and and really great community to network with as well. And so it's called Growth Meter, but it's just it's great. So that's what. It, so for his thing, it's a lot of Zoom calls, and he also helps um, helps founders get funded. But like in the Zoom experiences, even though in general I don't like Zoom, the way in which he has architected his environment is very mm -hmm. valuable for my time. And to always be thinking, is what I'm creating and what I'm sharing valuable for someone else? Because if it's only for your ego, just stop. <laughs> yeah. Um, what advice could you give to people? We have, we have a lot of listeners who are... Uh, in the tech community and are trying to reach out, maybe go global, uh, find clients elsewhere, or what advice could you give to them? I mean, what kind of community should they target and how? what kind of mindset should they have to be collaborative? We were talking about that at first. What kind of advice could we give to young people in, in tech trying to reach out? Sure. Well, I mean, first of all, you'd, you'll hear this on every single interview, that you have to start with what pain point are you solving and why are you solving it? And then you want to prove your market. Do people want to pay for solving this pain point? And is the money that you bring from solving the pain point higher than the money it costs to create the solution? Mm. And so these are very, very basic things. And if you don't know the answers to that, you want to start doing marketing experiments. I call them experiments rather than marketing strategies or a marketing plan because you really don't know if something's going to work or not going to mm. work, right? And so if you just write a list of experiments and do the experience to find out and I feel like you said a new founder so a new founder your first experiment should be would anybody pay for this or are you going through the like growth acquisition where you're not looking to get paid for me I prefer like if you buy a cupcake you have to pay for the cupcake or the bakery goes out of business right But I know there's like tons of these business models um, extremely popular with the biggest tech companies in the world that don't worry about money till mm. way later. So if that's the case, like just make sure you define that early on. And then if you're going down the growth strategy to the most amount of people, then you have to start forming those uh, relationships with investors because somehow you have to keep afloat or look for grants, et cetera. For investors, look at all the VC funds and see who they already invest in and start forming relationships with their portfolio companies. Utilize LinkedIn. Reach out to those people on LinkedIn. There's a tool mm. to find email addresses called hunter.io, right? And so start to reach out to people, form those relationships, but be someone of value. And please just don't say, can I pick your brain or 
can can I coffee whatever mm. I cannot stand the pick your brain coffee messages like be a person of value understand you're communicating with another human being and think about what can mm. you give them that would help solve space in their life to be able to give to you like so come at it not from a, I want I want place but what can I give what can I give and if you're going down the path of like actually making money with your company off the bat that again you want to figure out are people going to pay for this so reach out to your first 10 people 20 people find out if people are willing to pay for it get pre-sales yeah. don't build something say you get this at maybe like a lower rate because like you're you're buying into the vision almost like a kickstarter and indiegogo and then if you get enough people build the thing and if you don't get enough people give them back their money and and say like it didn't work and a great tool for uh pre-sales is moon clerk I use Moonclerk. You could even use something as simple as PayPal. Stripe has a lot of integrations mm. with other platforms. So for an absolute newbie, newbie, newbie that wants something simple, 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 look out, look for member space integration with a site called circle.so or look for Duda website builder with a site called circle.so. And then lastly, if you're looking for the simplest website you could ever, ever build, there's something called Card. I think it's C-A-A-R-D. It might be C-A-R-R-D. I always forget. But look for Card. It's like 10 bucks a month. I mean, 10 bucks a year to have a really beautiful looking one-page okay. site. And so I wanted to talk about uh, your podcast, Women in yeah. Tech. I mean, uh, I've listened to a few. So basically, you're helping women to reach out to a broader audience, right? Uh, you're opening your platform to them. I even heard you went to Boston once to meet uh, women there and trying to uh, make them uh, connect with the world and, and bring the value out. Uh, what can you tell us about, about all that? Um, I love championing other women. It's been amazing to travel to over 100 countries celebrating women in tech. Um, and it's really um, fantastic, I think, especially in the media world everybody wants to find um the celebrity or somebody to champion but i find there's so much beauty in championing the people who are you know almost hidden like they're not putting themselves out anonymous. there yeah, yeah. and mm. because they're not really intending to be anonymous they're just not you know shouting they're not influencers you know and they did with instagram these blowing up instagram accounts they're the engineers in the schools like you mentioned bosnia i've been bosnia kazakhstan uh malaysia all across the u.s lithuania like i mean it, latvia it goes on and on and so many amazing countries around the world greece has an amazing startup scene and so finding these women and championing their stories it's just amazing and the purpose of my show is for listeners to walk away feeling if she could do it so can i mm. also i've seen that you've become the icon of an application and a social network mm -hmm. actually which is called clubhouse i feel like there's like tons of new applications coming out today like audio is coming back to the front scene and you describe podcast as painting audio actually and, and also notice so i wanted to have your take on that i mean do you feel like audio is like becoming really very big what could what could you tell us about that 
It was really exciting um, to be one of the app icons uh, of Clubhouse. Um, they've done an amazing job with audio social networking. And there's a few. I, I posted them on my Twitter of the few audio social networks that have come out. Um, for my Twitter, it's at Esprit Devora if anyone wants to check. Um what I think about audio social networks versus podcasting is audio social networking is um, like a tool to for connectivity. To I know that sounds cliche with a, what is a, a social network, but there's something really trustworthy about hearing someone's voice. And this has been said uh, through podcasting as an art form for a long time, that there's something about someone being inside your ears that creates a sense of trust and, and connection. And it doesn't even happen on video. It's like happens specifically with podcasting. So if you take it mm, to the level, the same actually, right? Yeah. If you take it, it's like you feel closer to the person, yeah. you know, even when you hear the voice only in no video. Totally. You know? And so with clubhouse, um, hearing people's voice, like an audio social network, as you're engaging, it creates a new, it brings digital connectivity to a whole nother level. But I actually don't think it takes away from podcasting. I think podcast, for me, audio social networking feels two ways. It feels like I need to be attentive. It feels like I need to be turned on, right? Whereas a podcast, yesterday was raking leaves and I could just listen to the podcast and not worry, is someone going to call on me? Or someone going to say my name or who's looking mm. or da, 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 right? So I could just be in the experience of the story. I feel podcasting is storytelling, whereas audio social networks are about connection and talking and engaging. Involvement. Yeah, invo involved. involved. Great word. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you very much, sure. Esprit. It was really great uh, to have you on the show, get your insights and your expertise on uh, on podcasts and the tech world. And yeah, and to, if you guys want to say hello, to connect and collaborate, just message me on any social at Esprit Devora, E-S-P-R-E-E-D-E-V, -E 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 like Victor, O-R-A, or um, reach out to me via email, Esprit at hey.com, E-S-P-R-E-E -E at H-E-Y.com. Thank you.